0: It's good to be here with you all this morning. A year ago, I would not have guessed that I would be in this place, but God had other things for me, and for that I am grateful. You know that I am new here to Acadia Divinity College, to Wolfville, to Nova Scotia, to Canada for that matter, and it has been a wonderful journey over the past several months. I moved here in August, and since I arrived, I've had the joy of trying out all things Canadian. So, I now have learned things and have much to learn, but I know that I can buy my very own bag of milk. Who knew that that was a thing? I just had to tap my credit card to get it as well. So, oh, amazing. I, I now have four beautiful snow tires on my car. <laughs> use them to drive my car several kilometers when the temperature is below zero in celsius so i'm working on this i know to take off my shoes at the door when i come in although i'm, I'm still sometimes i forget that sometimes i have also spent time let's see if i can do this In will it host talking about <laughs> resources. Without paying an arm and a leg, you actually paying nothing. Well, that's a really exciting change. I have taken and passed a test to show that I speak English. I do. <laughs> I have been back and forth to the customs house several times. Customs post. I have gotten a new bank account, driver's license, cell phone, insurance, credit card, etc., etc., etc. It has been a season of new for me. For the first time... I have seen snow in October, Hmm. and I don't even want to think about all the lovely snow that's coming in my future. So it's been quite an adventure for me, of all things new. You know, one positive change I've seen since I've been here is the emphasis on recycling that you have, especially in Nova Scotia. I remember when I moved to Texas, And I asked my landlord, you know, how does recycling work here? And he sort of gave me this look, and um, his eyebrows raised, his glasses went down, and and he said, we don't do that here. Okay. Um, And so imagine my surprise when I moved to Nova Scotia and found that you could be fined for not recycling in Wolfville. Uh, and, And since I've been here, I have spent many minutes in front of those multiple recycling bins. Is this plastic or recycling or trash? But I'm grateful to be in a place where care of the environment is a priority and where Christians really do care about God's creation. I love the idea that my trash, whether it's a piece of paper that I printed the wrong way, tags for my new winter boots, I do have those now, or um, even the tray from the meat that I bought at the store, those can all be made new and useful again, right? I don't have to throw them out and clog up a landfill for thousands of years. Instead, those things can take on new life. Today, Scripture passage also talks about new life, about renewal. It describes a vision that John has of God making all things new. Hear these words this morning from Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them, they will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Aren't these comforting words this morning of God's renewal and presence? This vision of a new heaven and a new earth is the final and climactic vision of this apocalyptic book of Revelation. Sometimes it gets a bad name of being all about doom and gloom or something scary. But this is actually a book that in the end offers ultimate hope to Christians especially those who are in a time of tension, persecution. As you probably know, the original audience of Revelation lived during a time of pressure, of oppression by the Roman Empire in different ways. They were often ostracized and sometimes urged to worship the emperor rather than God. And so they would have understood the symbolism of Revelation not as about a specific timeline of events that would have happened thousands of years in the future, but as an unveiling of divine hope and power that was meaningful to their present challenges. And you know, the promise of Revelation is still meaningful to the challenges we face today. Its message is that God ultimately has the victory. I've read to the end, and spoiler alert, God wins. This is what happens in Revelation. As we come to the end of the book here, after chapters of conflict on a cosmic scale, all sorts of visions, right? After death and Hades finally meet their end, God speaks directly. Despite trials and tribulations, God's victory is made manifest, and everything has become new. And check out how this happens. These verses don't talk about God snatching believers up out of his world into this ethereal, otherworldly existence where we're walking on the clouds or playing harps. When I was a child, I was a part of a group that um, sang the Countdown Song. Uh, And this song, I believe it was even printed on a cutout of a rocket ship. And um, we would sing with all our might. Somewhere in outer space, God has prepared a place for those who trust him and obey. Maybe you know this song. <laughs> Sing along. Uh, Jesus will come again, and though we don't know when, the countdown's getting lower every day. And then it goes on: so call upon your Savior while you may. And the song ends with this countdown from ten down to one, implying that we're getting very close. Three, two, one, and then blast off, right? Well, That was a fun song to sing, but the main idea in Revelation is not really that of our counting down and blasting off into outer space to escape the world. Instead, we read in today's passage that God enters the world. God enters the world in order to renew and restore it. Here the author, John, is experiencing a brand new new, transformed heaven and earth. A new Jerusalem comes down. The Jews had hoped for the restoration of the temple in Jerusalem, but here we see not just the temple, but the entire city, the holy city of God, in contrast with the wicked city of Babylon that's discussed all through Revelation. Just as Babylon symbolizes people who oppose God, such as those in Rome, Jerusalem represents the early community of Christ the church in its restored, ideal, and glorious state, the people of God in God's presence. And unlike the Jewish hope for a heavenly Jerusalem, notice that in this passage, God comes down to be with his people, pure and radiant, like John imagines a bride adorned for her husband would be. This is an image of intimacy and presence. You know, I imagine that most of us here recognize the importance of being present with others. Many of us here are ministers, and we have the sacred duty of being present with folks in some of the most um, powerful and meaningful times of their lives, birth, marriage, illness, death. And you know, to be honest, sometimes it can be nerve wracking to figure out what in the world to say in those situations. You might think, okay, Maybe I should quote scripture that's, Um, perhaps pray, pray for faith, for me, for them, or even offer a platitude that might seem to make everything better. You know, there's a place for those things, but so too is there a place for simply presence. You know, sometimes the way that we can make the biggest and most powerful statement to someone in a time of need is not a verbal statement at all but as being present with them. Just sitting there with them as a present support and comfort in their time of need. I have a, a friend at a church I used to attend, and she had a very tragic event happen in her family. And our children's minister, I'll never forget, went and simply sat with her on the porch swing for more than an hour. And they just sat there and swung. And the woman afterwards said, that was the most meaningful ministry to me during my time of need. Being present with another person can bring a comfort greater than words alone. And here in these verses, we have a description of one greater than another person coming alongside us to dwell with us. We have God, the creator of the universe, coming down to dwell with people. The home of God is among mortals. Can you imagine? God himself is dwelling among people. He's not looking down from a distant heaven or living far away with the other gods on Mount Olympus. God, his presence is with us. The language used here Reflects or recalls the tabernacle and the temple and the places the places where God's presence was manifested in the Old Testament, and it reflects the incarnation of God through Jesus, described in John one. The Word became flesh and lived among us. God, the very Creator of the universe, is now the re-creator who has come to dwell among people, among His creation, to be present with us. Good news. So, this new creation is notable for the presence of God. But there's also absence, things that are not in this picture. One of them, according to this passage, is the sea. The sea was no more. Now, for those of us living in the Maritimes, that might seem shocking, but I have for the past three months enjoyed being in this beautiful place, going to the ocean, um, seeing lighthouses, um, for the first time in my life, living in this maritime area near the ocean. Um, Maybe you've seen on social media that I've taken a picture or two of the waves, the coastline, the sea foam, the boats, the lighthouses, everything in this area, because the sea can be a beautiful place. But we have to understand how the original audience of Revelation (laughs) might have understood the sea and then thus its absence. Imagine how scary the sea could be to ancient peoples, right? Um, Who used, um, made simple boats out of logs and had to go make their livelihood on the sea despite storms. Um, They knew the sea as a frightening, uncontrollable force. One that was filled with terror, that could sink boats, and kill people. It wasn't just some beautiful thing to be looked at and then uh, take an Instagram picture from the show. Sure. So throughout the Bible, the sea is used as a symbol of chaos, right? As these people would have understood it. From the beginning of Genesis, when darkness covered the face of the deep and God showed his power by separating and controlling the waters, dangerous beasts, Emerge from the sea, right? Leviathan. And then even a few chapters earlier in Revelation, we have um, two ominous horned beasts that are coming out of the sea. But here in Revelation 21, the chaotic sea is no more. The powers that oppose God and diminish life are gone. Do you know any powers that oppose God and bring chaos? Does that sound familiar in our world today? Well, the chaotic sea is absent from the new creation. In fact, we would see in later, the next chapter, that not only is there the sea of chaos missing, but that God has controlled the waters into a river of life-giving water that flows from the throne, showing God's ultimate power and authority redeeming this evil symbol into something divine. So this is not just a pretty nature scene. It's a powerful symbol of God transforming chaos into beauty and of new life in God's kingdom. So we don't have a C. What else is missing from Revelation 21? There's also no death, mourning, crying, pain. Can you imagine? Can you really imagine the absence of those things? What a word of encouragement this must have been to the early readers or hearers of the text who were facing persecution. And what a word of encouragement it is to us today. You know, it can be easy to go to church or go to seminary, act like you have it all together, put on your happy face, without revealing what's really going on. But the truth is that death, mourning, crying, and pain are realities of our present life here on Earth. And realities that the Bible frequently acknowledges and makes space for. As we heard two weeks ago, Spencer talked about the imprecatory songs. Today, I think of the pain faced by my friend whose brother committed suicide, of my former student who wrestles with anxiety and depression, and of my missionary friend whose husband died from cancer. Maybe today you can especially relate to death, mourning, crying, and pain. For some reason you may or may not have shared with others, right? Perhaps a broken relationship, health problem, or just the struggle of making it through the semester. Can I get an amen? (laughs) I think of the words of the African American spiritual, sung by those who had known true suffering. Nobody knows the troubles I've seen. Nobody knows but Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I want to assure you that Jesus knows and sees. Please know that the pain is not the end of this story. I think, for example, of my baby nephew, David. He has just learned to walk, and he is the cutest thing ever, toddling around, but he also gets some bumps and bruises from learning this new thing, right?
1: I imagine
0: him proudly walking, and then, oh, hitting the coffee table, falling down, tears, screaming, what a pitiful sight, Um, and then I can see his mother rushing up to him, coming to him, scooping him up, comforting him, drying his tears holding him close until he's all right. Our passage today reminds us that God is like that. God will come to dwell with us forever and will lovingly wipe away every tear from our eyes in fulfillment of the words of the prophet Isaiah. Sorrow, death, pain, characteristics of a fallen world will disappear. Promise of hope, and what a word of encouragement for us today. I am making all things new. This statement contains comfort to those learning to live without a loved one, or those seeking new relationships after abuse. It's comforting to those leaving their past vocation and following a new call on their lives, as some of us here are doing, to those seeking new meaning in the midst of depression and despair, the tears will not last. We are part of a great narrative of salvation that promises a day when death will no longer cast its shadow and all things will be new. And you know, this is a promise not just of personal salvation and hope, but of renewal involving all people and all creation. Here in the West, it's pretty easy for us to focus on our personal faith, Jesus and me, right, without recognizing the global dimensions of God's salvation. But listen to the verse again. See, I am making all things new. Not just our bodies, but the very earth itself will be made new. God will reveal a new pristine creation like that of the Garden of Eden. This new creation will not center on a garden, but instead on a city, a place of community and relationship, close contact between women and men, girls and boys, and God and all people. It will be characterized by renewed relationships with each other and with all creation. We look forward, don't we, to this future hope when God will decisively, fully, and finally enter the world. Restoring and repairing it. But meanwhile, we don't simply sit sit idle and daydream about the future or count the exact number of days until the blast-off happens, right? Mm. Instead, we remember Christ's first coming into the world to inaugurate his kingdom. A kingdom that is already here, but not yet recognized and realized in its fullness. And we remember and act on what Jesus taught us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. As N.T. Wright puts it, Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project, not to snatch people away from earth to heaven, but to colonize earth with the life of heaven. And we are laborers on that project. As God's people, we are called to join God in the transformation of the world, even as we persevere through the reality of everyday trials. Wright says, What you do in the present by painting, preaching, singing, sewing, praying, teaching, building hospitals, digging wells, campaigning for justice, writing poems, caring for the needy, loving your neighbor as yourself, These things will last into God's future. These activities are not simply ways of making the present life a little less beastly, a little more bearable, until the day when we leave it behind altogether, as the hymn so mistakenly puts it. He says, they are part of what we may call building for God's kingdom. I think of a trip I took to Nepal to serve alongside and learn from Brazilian missionaries who were working there. This Brazilian family left home, uncertain of financial support, sacrificing most everything and traveling halfway around the world to work among the least of these in Kathmandu. They gathered together young girls who had experienced human trafficking and gave them love through counseling, education, time spent together, and the good news. This was a transformative ministry that required a long-term commitment. Their work for justice was an effort for the kingdom of God. Together, they were joining God in beginning to make our broken world new. Now, I recognize that each of us here today may not be able to rescue children from trafficking, but we can be a part of the work of the kingdom in our own communities and spheres of influence even when those seem a little less glamorous, Maybe that might mean sharing God's love with others here on this lovely campus, helping sponsor a refugee family who's new to Canada, or maybe for now, studying to the best of your ability so that you can become a faithful teacher of God's truth. I would ask us, What is God calling us to do even today to work to transform our world? And through what circumstances do we need to be assured of God's presence and power of transformation? God is truly active in bringing renewal, and we are to join Him in this work now, as we prepare for its ultimate fulfillment in the future. So may we even today, I pray... Persevere through the trials that life brings because of our faith in a victorious God who will wipe away every tear from our eyes. A God who is truly with us and is making all things new. Will you pray with me? Faithful Redeemer, God, you promise to wipe away every tear that death and mourning will be no more. You will make your home among us and abide with us as our God. Thank you, God, for these promises of presence and renewal. Teach us to truly be your kingdom people, living and doing your will in the world today, as we anticipate your coming again. In the name of Jesus, who is the Christ, we pray.